Welcome, everyone. Welcome back. There's WBLQ, 1230 a.m., picking up the live stream yesterday, picking it up today, doing so much to support all of us here at Transformation Talk Radio. As I said before, we will be taking your questions and comments. If you're listening to this broadcast now, uh, live from the floor of One the Event, you can go into... Uh, transformationtalkradio.com or the drpatshow.com and go ahead and ask us a question on the right hand side you will be able to ask us an instant feedback question I'll be able to bring it up and you'll be able to get that question on with all of our guests today as I said before uh, we have got a very very incredible lineup all day long non-stop Joining me here today is Monique Morimoto Flaherty joining me here today. As I said, healing the past, restoring the present, lighting the future, 10 steps to move from fear to love. You know, this is something that all of us want to know. We want to know how to go about this, how to get out of the fear zone, what it means to take those steps. Monique is joining me here today. She has an amazing capacity to inspire and motivate people to discover, embrace, and live from their deepest potential. Her life path over 20 years in the life science industry, successful entrepreneur, and much more. She is a coach, consultant, and she is someone that absolutely believes in the wisdom that we have as human beings, the wisdom in her horse coaching practice, and much more. She's going to walk us through this. Her two books that she has created, create a guided meditation CD as well to help all of us understand how we can show up in life and be the best that we could be. Monique, thank you for joining us here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I'm really honored and privileged to be here with you in this incredibly amazing uh, event. I want to ask you what you think. I want to ask you, you know, when I when when we first uh, connected with you and said, "Oh, we're doing this broadcast from one the event," and of course you went in there and and you you um uh you know you uh, yes you said yes, and now you've had some time to check it out and think about it. What do you think of this one the event and this this firefighter Eric Lawyer? I think he is living from his soul, from his passion. He's living from that place that we all want to get to where we can take bold moves in our lives and create something much bigger than us that have impact. He's doing that. He's living out loud. And I am honored and amazed at uh, how generous he's been and, uh, and how generous all of the folks that are participating in this event are. It's just uh, an incredible, incredible thing to be part of. So for you, in your life, um, this topic, healing the past, restoring the present, lighting the future, 10 steps to move from fear to love, y- you know, what is it have you lo- learned along the way from your own personal experience about this thing that we call fear? It's, it's very interesting because for many years I didn't know how much fear I actually had in my life. And then I did a high ropes course one day, and I was sitting at the edge of a uh, 60-foot crossing on a 2 by 4 and I was totally paralyzed. And that experience taught me what happens in my body. When I get fearful in my body, 
there's contraction, there's withdrawal. I go into some strange deep place in my head where I can't access anything other than the fear. So one of the first steps to evolving from out of the fear is to recognize it. You know, I think it's a, we're animals by nature. We're human beings are animals first and foremost. We're mammals, and we're going to have fear. So not to pretend that we don't, not to try to step over the fear, but just say, okay, I'm afraid. And my horse coaching has actually shown me this. If I'm with a horse and I try to pretend that I'm not afraid, that horse is going to know that there's some incongruence going on in me. So the first thing is to recognize, yes, fear exists. I have it in my body and to learn how it shows up because it contributes to stress, it contributes to um, anxiety, and it can really hurt the body and and, uh, the immune system and have long-term impacts. Mm, I do know that pretty well uh, myself. Uh, And, you know, here we are talking about these 10 steps, 10 steps to move from fear to love. Let's get right to it. I can't wait to hear what these are. Ready to take notes, Monique. (laughs) Where do we start? Well, the first one is to recognize the fear. Recognize Mm. that you have it. How does it show up in your body? Uh, Really become body aware. Become body conscious because the only thing that lives in the present moment is the body. And when we bring our attention and our presence and our focus to the body, we're actually bringing our whole system our, our emotions, our thought process, we're bringing it into the present moment. So that's really, that's the first step to evolve consciously, to bring consciousness into the present moment and notice how it feels in the body. Then the second step is to look at the habits that you have in your life that actually generate fear. Mm-hmm. And I become very conscious of the, the cell phone. I don't like to leave my house without it. God forbid somebody calls me while I'm out. So there's this like anxiety about, I have to have my cell phone with oh me. Oh, my while gosh. Yeah, and how, much, how many of us live with that? Uh, every day we become so dependent on some of these, our technology, which is wonderful. It, it creates opportunities to do things like this event. Um, but we become dependent on that instead of dependent on our own inner grounding. Not only are we dependent upon it, but... Um you know, the deal is that most of us here have these uh, smartphones, right? Yes. That are, you know, right? None of, yeah, can't, yeah, which we can't, can't really get away use. From email, no matter where you are. Oh, my gosh. But and now, they're fun. I mean, they're you, really fun. They're really I'm not, fun. I'm not dissing uh, technology, right. but, yeah, we, we need to pay attention to what we pay attention to. Exactly. And you know what it's like? And I was just talking to Linda this morning, um, and I said to her, you know, Linda, you really got to get texting. And she said, no, I'm not. Because she just, no. And I love that healthy boundary because, you know, why does she need to get texting when we were able to get a hold of her yesterday? So, you know, here we are and just want everybody, drag everybody along. Want everybody, drag them along. Yeah. And if, we, if we're dragged along consciously, then we're not being dragged because we can consciously choose to use the tools that we have. So the, the next step is to choose love. So if I'm operating, say, again, the cell phone example, if I'm operating out of, oh, my God, I have to have my cell phone with me, and I get, on, get in the car, plug it in, turn it on, and get on it immediately when I start the car, which I've noticed myself doing, my choosing love would be, no, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes of uninterrupted time, no radio, in the car before I even think about making a phone call. And so that's a way of bringing a loving gesture to myself. 
I love this. All right. What's the next step? So the third step is choosing love. The fourth step is breathing. It's amazing how many people don't breathe. I know. I mean, we all breathe. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation <gasps> if we didn't breathe. But breathing deeply. And I tell all of my clients, breathe. Just breathe. So breathing slowly and deeply right into the belly, taking five conscious breaths, inhaling and exhaling. And that immediately begins to bring us into the moment. Again, in step one, being conscious of the body. If there's fear, we tend to contract and we tend to take very, very shallow breaths. So just taking those five deep breaths can be transformational in itself. Mm-hmm. And if you have a chance to do breath work, uh, do do breath work because it, it's a whole different way of uh, dealing with stuff that's stuck in your body. Um, holotropic breath work or other types of breath work. I've been doing it for years. I have a great teacher, Tara Nieves, who's in Massachusetts and uh, absolutely fabulous. So then the fifth step is to be present in the now. So if you, you may be able to see how these steps kind of weave together. Um, and, and each one builds on the previous one. So being present in the now means being where your hands and your feet are. Once again, being embodied. We are embodied as humans in this plant, on this planet. And we, our souls are actually, our souls have a body. It's not that our bodies have a soul. So we're not running around primarily the body first. We're we're energetic beings. We're spiritual beings. Our soul is the essence of who we are, and the soul expresses itself in the physical world as the body. Hmm. And often the fear the fear piece is fear of something that's going to happen in the future. If if we're in the middle of a crisis, yes, we we we're we're generally in a place where we're able to act because there's something that kicks in. And I'm sure anybody who's had a car accident or, I mean, the whole events, all the events of 9-11, I was listening to your previous call. Yeah. Those people acted in the moment, and they acted from their highest self. They acted in exactly what needed to be done. And if anyone had sat around and said, oh, I don't think I really want to do this, uh, I don't think, you know, that, that, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been what would have gotten people out of the buildings. Right. So people just said, okay, this is the right thing, and it was probably not a conscious thought. It was probably uh, driven by a deeper place that knew what needed to happen, and that place lives in the moment, only in the moment. So being able to be with a fearful thought, noticing that it usually is something about what's going to happen in the future. Mm. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, this is really, I think, a great time to really honor those people that did act. You know, those firefighters that went in that building, you know, to do the things, the police, the other people uh, that ran in the buildings, you know, the folks that that came together to help other people. Um, You know, when we do this event, and Eric Lawyer, a firefighter himself, is really clear about this. You know, he is not condoning, none of us are condoning this act. Um, It really is a time to honor. It's a time to honor. Um, A time to 
to really honor these courageous acts and honor them from a place of love is what I hear you saying, Monique. Yes. Honoring them from a place of love and honoring the oneness. Like As you were speaking, Dr. Pat, I just had this image of all of the activity that happened that day being the rescuers, being like one body. They were one body. They were single-minded. They were like a, a body that has... Um, an infection someplace, they were like the white blood cells that ran in there and they went on and they grabbed whatever they needed and whoever they could find and they grabbed them out to be to be safe. Mm-hmm. A little bit different from how white blood cells work, but it's it was a unified purpose. Mm. And it's unfortunate that it takes these kinds of events to unify people. You know, it's kind of interesting, and I, I want to go on to the next step. So... Let's keep going. This is so important. Okay. So we're up to number six. Number six is a challenge, I think, because it means it's it's learning to tolerate loss and grief, uncertainty, and the unknown. And maybe to put it in a, a more positive spin, it's learning to tolerate the mystery of life. If we open our hearts to these challenging, difficult emotions, then we will also be opening our hearts to joy, to love, to peace, and contentment. And it's those basic, fundamental values or ways of being in the world, being joyful, being contented, being peaceful, being in love, being grateful. These are really our birthright. Mm -hmm. They are who we are. They are Mm -hmm. our nature. They're not something that we get but they are who we are fundamentally as spiritual beings in this human experience. And this event is a birth of, of oneness uh, coming out of love and generosity and compassion mm-hmm. and, and a desire to bring people together. But we, oh, can, we, can, we can tolerate... That is challenging. <laughs> hmm? That it definitely is challenging, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, mm-hmm. what happens is we get chal- our egos get challenged, and they should be, because they're based in uh, premise of separation. And the whole ego structure has arisen as a result of um, our early ch- conditioning, and it's it's at the very core of it. It's distorted. Uh, there's a distorted belief that we're separate from the oneness, the divine. However, you choose to define that intelligence that uh, guides and unfolds in every moment. You know, this is such an important point, and I, I want to make sure we get to the others. But I will—I do want to say this, because this is something we all have to work out, Monique, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I was sharing in the last interview yesterday morning for me, and, oh, my God, my ego showed up in a big, big, big dang way. And, you know, it's not a place that I'm used to coming from. Um, it's a place that I, that I was used to coming from earlier on in my life. But yesterday morning, I did come from a place of fear. And I, it's amazing. It's amazing what happens to us in those moments, isn't it? I mean, we actually turn into, you know, it's almost like being in the Superman movie where Superman is Superman, then he's got this alter ego, which is this, like, dark person. That's what goes on with us here when this happens, isn't it? It is, and it's also, the, the ego is also the path to the soul, because in everything that we experience egoically has a grain of truth 
in it if we can stay with the experience and understand it and stay with a deeper and deeper understanding of our reactivity, our beliefs, um, our actions, because nothing can be, nothing is separate from love. So as we stay with the ego, I'm, I'm of the school that we don't throw the ego out mm-hmm. because we can't. We need, we need an ego. We need a healthy ego. And when we're conscious and aware, we can distinguish between, oh, okay, I'm being reactive here. There's, something's triggering me. I can sit with the trigger as uncomfortable as it can be and feel it in the body, speak about it, and then allow the trigger to dissolve or do whatever it's going to do as I'm paying attention to it. And then that creates the space for the divine uh, to unfold within within mm-hmm. the trigger. We get to the root of whatever it is that's triggering us uh, and blocking us from the, the, the source. Well... We can talk about this. I want to make sure we get the other things in. But I'll tell you, I will tell you that everybody on my team that was here yesterday, they were so wishing my ego didn't show up. <laughs> you know, I mean, the push comes to shove. It's like, okay, there we go. Good news is it didn't last very long. Yeah. You know. And, it, you know, and it's great. And so it's like, okay, so what happened? What can I learn from this? I got, you know, I have an inner child that gets scared sometimes, okay? Yeah. Yeah. We all do. I know. Uh, I know. I, I, I lived in New York, so every once in a while that fear comes up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's go uh let's go to the next step. Okay, step seven is to choose love. And specifically through nature. So go into nature. Breathe deeply into the essence of the forest, the ocean, the flow of a river, the quietness of a lake. Listen to the birds. We are really, we're made of the same substance that this natural world is, and we're not separate from any of that. So when we return ourselves to nature, even if it's contemplating a tree in front of a, you know, a house in a, in a, in a suburban setting, or birds that may be sitting in the tree, or a squirrel, all of those little tiny moments of connection to nature uh, restore us to that part of who we are. And it's all love. You know, the natural world, the animals in the natural world, they they don't run around trying to hurt each other. I mean, they'll kill for food and they, they don't they don't waste they don't waste. Mm-hmm. They're they just live in the moment and they live calmly and peacefully, most of them. And there can be violence, but it's our labeling it as mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. Wow. So cho- choosing to be in, in in a space of love in nature is so uh important because kids kids these days are, are being deprived. There have been all kinds of studies done of, of what's happening to children as a result of nature deprivation. Uh, it's tragic. It's tragic. It's something that we need to very be very, very conscious of. It also shows in how we've been treating our, our planet ecologically and the importance of being a steward of nature because it's part of who we are. The Native Americans and the Aboriginal people knew this inherently mm-hmm. and intuitively. Mm. So the next step is, uh, step eight, is to cultivate inner peace. Oh, so using love and cultivate inner peace through prayer, through meditation, mm-hmm. yoga, tai chi, walking through silence. I'm an advocate of turning off the news 
I mean, I figure if there's something going on that I need to know about, I will learn about it, but I drive in silence in the car for the most part. Uh, I don't watch TV while I'm eating a meal. I don't even have a TV. Uh, I will get news through looking at specific different sites that I find uh, can give me uh, an intelligent uh, explanation of what's happening in the world. Have a meditation practice, yoga, but really cultivating the peace that is in each of us. We we, we have a peaceful place inside of us. Uh, there's there's nothing that can take that away except for the distractions that we create as a result of trying to do whatever it is we're doing in the world. Mm. So cultivate, create practices that support that. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's exactly where I went yesterday to get out of whatever I was in. Mm, yeah, great. Uh, and, it, you know, it's it's one of these things. We get caught up in a busy world. We get the busyness going. And, you know, I'm so clear about um, what it means to take time every day. Yes. Yeah. Journaling. Journaling is another really great way, way of, of dumping what's in the mind and accessing writing. I One of my favorite practices around that is to write a letter to God or to higher power or source and explaining, like, this is what's happening and this is what I'm confused about or whatever might be on my plate at the moment, and then having God write back to me. Mm. It's like, dear Monique, and I just let let the words flow, and it's absolutely fascinating what comes, because they're not my words. (laughs) I know it. I had that experience yesterday when I was moderating the panel. I'm not sure where those words came from, but I do know they did come from spirit. (laughs) They did come from God. Oh, this is so amazing, Monique. All right, number nine. Number nine is forgiveness. Oh, I was waiting for you to get to this one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What does forgiveness mean to you? To to me, it means uh, giving peace to the situation. It means, and to myself, it has to come first. I've really worked very, 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 very hard about around forgiving myself for not being who I think I'm supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Forgiving parents, forgiving siblings, forgiving terrorists, forgiving traffic people who, you know, may not be driving the way I'd like them to, to be driving. Mm-hmm. It, it can be as simple as, as that, but it can be as monumental as um, forgiving the people who per- perpetuated the acts on 9-11 and seeing it as with the hope or the understanding, I guess hope isn't the best word, but with the understanding and the perspective that we're all doing really what we're doing, which is the best that we can be doing at any moment. And if we could be doing better, we would be doing that. So forgiving just the situation as mm-hmm. and accepting it as it is. Mm-hmm. We're talking about forgiving, you know, uh, in, in, let's drop it down to the personal level because, you know, there are many people that I've heard from that are, are really struggling to even mention that word around 9-11. And honestly, I'll tell you, I was right there with them. And what I've had to learn is that, uh, you know, the journey starts within. So right. how, how can you help our listeners uh, start at that place from within, and then we'll get to number 10, because this okay. is a biggie. If say, if, say there's something that's coming up for us, for an individual person. So, um, okay, so say somebody did something in their past. They had an abortion. 
because this is this can be a very personal issue for many women and and also some some men. So there's a lot of angst that comes with that. Uh, there's the recognition of what the act actually does at some point, and there can be a lot of self hatred that comes up as a result of having a having an abortion or or giving up a child for adoption or something like that. So what what happens is that we begin to if we sit with this, we can begin to understand that the choice that we made was the, ch- the only choice that we had available to us at that time. If we had had another choice that could have been made without creating havoc in our lives or whatever, then we would have made that choice. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about just being very, very gentle with self. Let's go to number 10. Okay. Number 10 is practicing gratitude. And that, I mean, there's a, you know, having an attitude of gratitude, being grateful for everything, everything, all that life brings, even when we don't like it, looking for that little sil- silver lining in the storm cloud. You know, there's got to be that. I love the story about the little boy who was in a, a room and it was full of horse manure and he's in there and he's totally occupied with the whole thing and finally his parents looked in and said, what are you doing? He says, well, this horse manure around, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. You know, and so just sometimes we feel like we're shoveling it. Mm, and right. <laughs> So being able to tap into, okay, so what's a positive, what's a positive way to look at this? And so I think gratitude really is a heart-based um, emotion that's based in love, that's based around and in, can include forgiveness and acceptance of the situation and being able to see the positive in it, see the benefit. And sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to see the positive that might be present in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I, November 11, 2001, I got on a plane in Boston and flew to California and was able to take my coaching certification exam. And I see how my whole career these last 10 years was launched from a commitment to do something in the world that would make the world a better place so that these kinds of acts that would happen in the future would be the likelihood of that happening. If there's something that I can do to minimize that or to lessen it, that's been behind my entire career as a coach. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, like, happy, happy, grateful that anything like that happened, that 9-11 happened. That's not... That's not the point, but I'm I'm grateful that I had it within me through my soul's purpose um, to be able to use the situation in a positive way and to you know, share what I've learned as a result of mm-hmm. these, these last 10 years. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I would love to have your website, and I know you've got something special for our listeners, Monique. My website is www.soulworkscoaching.com. And F-O-U-L-W-O-R-K-S coaching.com. And I actually have a monograph of these 10 steps available for folks if they'd like to uh, log on to my website and sign up for my newsletter. They'll get a copy of it. Thank you, Monique. One more time, let's give that out. www.soulworkscoaching.com I keep on falling. 